Recording in progress. Good evening. This is the Common Sense Party Podcast. I'm your host, D-O-T-T-L-E-Y. It is October 3rd, 2.36 in the morning. I uh, just got up and just needed to express about poor leadership. Well, this is the Common Sense Party Podcast. I'm your host, D-O-T-T-L-E-Y. Uh, rate us, review us, give us five stars, give us four stars, give us three stars, give us two stars, give us any stars. If we don't, if you don't give us any stars, we just assume that we're doing it properly. Uh, we are available on Spotify, YouTube, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Pandora, YouTube, and yes, we're still not available on Apple as of yet. All right, today we're going to talk about poor leadership. We're going to talk about the new. Uh, the new senator that was appointed in California, uh, Matt Gates, introducing a motion to vacate the speakership. What does this mean for Democrats? And we're going to talk about uh, that's a fine. And we're going to talk about the Republican Party as a whole. All right, as you know, let's get it started. Alright, first off, we're going to talk about the newly appointed um, senator from California who replaced Diane Feinstein. Uh, she passed away, rest in peace, at the age of 90. This is calling for a, um, what's the word, term limits on uh, senators because her... Mitch McConnell, um, even Biden are in the high. Biden is probably going to be 80, but they're up there in age, and we're trying to pass it on to the younger generation. But hey, uh, this is the first openly, I guess, gay, black, uh, female senator. Well, yeah, female black senator, openly, openly gay. Well, black senator to serve in the senate right now because kamala harris gave up her seat she was not gay but she was black she gave up her seat to become vice president all right let's check out cnn for the story Newsom is set to appoint emily's list president lafonza butler to fill the late diane feinstein's senate seat Butler is sworn in. She will become the third black female senator in U.S. history and the first openly LGBTQ senator to represent the state of California. CNN's Kyung La joins us from Los Angeles. Now, Kyung, what has the reaction been? This happened very quickly and it surprised some people. Uh, certainly. It took some Democrats here in California. It took them really aback. And if you think about it, though, and when they take a beat and they think about this choice, it does make sense politically. But... Butler is not currently holding an elected position. She is somebody who is a formidable political figure, especially in the state of California. Nationally, she's known for leading Emily's List. But here in California, she is known as a very strong operative. She did lead as a senior advisor Kamala Harris's uh, presidential run in 2020. And she also led a labor union, the most powerful labor union in the state of California. So she is deeply regarded. She's also an ally of Governor Gavin Newsom. Now, her selection, as you point out, Phil, is uh, fulfilling a promise that Governor Newsom made that when Kamala Harris vacated her Senate seat to become Joe Biden's vice president, that he would appoint a black woman. And she will be the only black woman serving in the U.S. Senate. She also does certainly embark on that historical journey, being the first open lesbian to serve in the Senate. But all of this, Phil, does scramble this election. The Senate seat is up for grabs next year. There are already three powerful California Democrats running, Adam Schiff, Katie Porter, as well as Barbara Lee. So whether or not LaFonza Butler decides to jump in and maintain and run as a candidate after holding this seat for a year, that is going to be the open question. I am told that there were no preconditions in her taking this uh, appointment. So uh, it's going to get very crowded and very interesting, Phil. 
Yeah, not a caretaker. Uh, it's going to be fascinating. This is already a very intense race. Kyung La, thank you. Joining us now, former Democratic Congresswoman from California, longtime friend of the... Uh, yeah, the, her condolences and stuff like that, but that's the interesting thing. I like Katie Porter. Uh, she'd be a good senator, but she'd be giving up her seat in the House. If we can replace someone in the House for her seat, that would be great, but Katie Porter would be a good replacement for Feinstein. Even uh, the current um, person that they did... Because she is a, she is uh what is the word I'm looking for? She is, she works for the union. So she, she'd be a good replacement also. Uh, that's kind of crazy. Uh, because she came out of nowhere. Like she was not the, uh, I guess for Democrats, she wasn't the one that they were looking for as to replace Feinstein. And, well, technically Feinstein wasn't doing her job because she was sick. I do apologize. God bless the dead, but she wasn't. On the faculty, she was in her 90s and she was out of, she was home with the shingles for like maybe a month. So the person that they uh, picked to replace her is black. She is LBGT or gay. So hopefully that will give uh, the minorities a leg up on everything uh, because the seat is up for a year and I think the Democrats will keep the House not keep the Senate keep the White House they might get a trifecta once they avoided this shutdown I think they, they will keep they will take back seats in the House uh, they will probably expand their lead probably by two to three seats in the Senate. And I hopefully hope, hopeful beyond hope that they keep the, hopefully beyond hope, keep the, keep the White House. All right, moving on to our next story. We're going to talk about Trump and we're going to go to our guy, Bo. Bo from the 5th. Check this one out. Well, howdy there, Internet people. It's Bo again. So today we are going to talk about the House, a little bit about the Senate, talk about the Republican Party as a whole, and we're going to talk about the deal because there's another political force within the Republican Party, and nobody's really talking about how this deal impacts them and what it says about them because that other force that's out there creeping around Somehow, it's not really getting mentioned in the coverage, and it should be because it's kind of a big deal. Okay, so that deal, when it came to the House, 126 Republicans voted in favor of it, 90 voted against it. A majority of Republicans voted for it. When it went to the Senate, I don't remember the exact numbers, but 88 uh, senators voted for it. So, overwhelming majority of Republicans as well. Unless you get everything, shut it down. That's the message from Dear Leader. That's the message from Trump. That's the order from Trump. In all caps, with an exclamation point. That's what Trump told the Republican Party to do, and they ignored him. Trump's spell, it may be wearing off. For a long time, the Republican Party did everything that man told them to do. He ordered it by tweet, and that was an edict. Something that they just had to follow. A majority of Republicans in Congress ignored him. That spell's wearing off. It's wearing off because his political power is not what it once was. And Republican insiders, they know it. Those people up there on Capitol Hill, they know it. We've talked a lot about it on the channel. 
the Republican Party, they're the party of family values. Sure, if you're talking about the Sopranos. Because realistically, all that matters is that last envelope of poll numbers. And Trump's poll numbers, well, his envelope, it's been coming up a little light. Despite what a lot of the coverage is showing you, a whole lot of Republicans are not enthusiastic about the former president. This shows it. If this same situation had played out when he still had power, you'd have a government shutdown. He is losing his grip on the Republican Party. It's important to notice this. It's not getting a lot of coverage, but it's worth remembering that he's not the force he once was, even inside the Republican Party. Could you imagine this many Republicans ignoring something he said and it not even being a, a topic a year ago, two years ago? Probably not, right? His situation, the political power, the pool that he has within the Republican Party is diminishing. Those polls, I wouldn't put too much stock in them because these votes, they matter too. And when more than half of the Republican Party is effectively telling the, quote, leader of the Republican Party, well, we're not going to follow your direction, your public direction, on something this high profile, it's because, well, he's a leader in name only. Anyway, it's just a thought. Y'all have a good day. That was Bo from the from the fifth column. I appreciate every. He's a good guy to check out. Uh, I am weary of. I am weary of his political power because. He still has sway over sway out sway over um the masses because oh, sorry, that's a fine. Uh because every poll you see it's a like Biden and Trump it's neck and neck, but um Biden has so much accomplishments for the middle and the working class person why would you vote for someone who definitely doesn't have your best interest at heart but that is my that is my quaff with Americans they vote against their own interests all the time uh, that's a fine uh, the Republican part my is my stance on the popular uh, one two three my stance on the Republican Party is they want everyone to do well as long as they don't do better than you. As long as you don't pass them in wealth, stature, uh, anything, they'll, they'll support you. But the minute that you make more money than them, they'll cut your throat. And that's my issue with the Republican Party. And my issue with the Democratic Party is they've, they come to a... Well, previously they come. Well, still they still do this, where they come to a a gunfight with a knife and expect to win. And oh man, these people don't have the Republicans don't have that that um obey by the rules nonsense. They kill. They go for the they they go for the kill. They go for the juggler. If they can if they can harm you in any way, they'll do that. All right. Alright, before we talk about the house passing, here is a here is something from Spotify. Wanna make a podcast? Spot Spotify Spotify's got a platform that lets you make make one super easy. Then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free it's called spotify for podcasters and here how it works 
Spotify for podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify optional. And when you want to take conversations to conversations with your fans to the next level, a Q&A and polls are the best way to uh, best way to get them talking. Uh, with Spotify with Spotify with sorry Spotify with with Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in various ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions the best ways best of all way is totally free with no catch ever since i discovered spotify for podcasters i feel like having options like video podcasting q a and polls has let me be creative on another level i highly recommend you give give it a try download spotify from for podcasters app or go to www spotify.com forward slash podcasters and get started all right this is the ninja of another color podcast oh sorry wrong podcast that's that's what happens when you do two of them and it is almost three o'clock in the morning this is the common sense party podcast our mission is to bring information with a common sense role i am your host d-o-t-t-l-e-y your local independent I am not with either party, but I rock with the Democrats because they believe in the people and their policies are progressive. Uh, Rate us, review us, give us five stars, give us four stars, give us three stars, give us two stars. Give us any stars. If you don't give us any stars, we will just assume that we're doing it correctly. We are available on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and no, we're not available on YouTube. I mean, we're not available on Apple, but we're still working on that. All right. As you know, that's a fine. As you know, the House passed a 45-day spending bill, uh, I think on Sunday or Saturday, and then it signed into law on Sunday to avoid a shutdown, but it's a binding resolution. So let's check it out. To all odds, Congress found a way to avoid a government shutdown. The bill is passed, and without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. At the 11th hour, Speaker Kevin McCarthy calling it audible and defying his conservative rebels by putting a 45-day spending bill on the floor. It is very clear that I tried every possible way listening to every single person in the conference. The short-term deal does not include spending cuts or new policies to deal with the border crisis sought by conservatives. The proposal caught Democrats off guard, but ultimately they greenlit the plan by an overwhelming majority. The American people have won. The extreme MAGA Republicans have lost. It was a victory for the American people. McCarthy initially sought to pass a bill exclusively with Republican votes, but was bailed out by Democrats as today's measure passed with more Democratic votes than Republican. He needed to work with Democrats to get it because he's got, you know, a bunch of members of the Chaos Caucus that are never going to vote for anything. The White House today calling the deal on the Hill a big victory. But the last-minute passage was not without drama. Congressman Jamal Bowman admitted to pulling a fire alarm in a House office building. Bowman said it was by accident. Republicans accusing him of doing it on purpose to delay the vote. You know, I think ethics should look at this, but this is serious. But while the crisis was averted today, the real work still needs to be done. We won't be back here in the same place in 45 days? Look, we're gonna, we are going to focus come Monday on uh, completing the appropriations uh, bills, but there's a lot of work to do. And Ryan Nobles joins us now from Capitol Hill. Ryan, we're just learning that the bill may be held up in the Senate. Yeah, that's right, Jose. Even one senator can hold up this process, and we've learned that Colorado's Democratic Senator Michael Bennett is putting a hold on the legislation because he's concerned that it lacks funding for Ukraine. If Bennett doesn't release that hold and it goes beyond midnight, the government would shut down. He is now trying to be persuaded by his colleagues to lift that hold so that the government shutdown can be averted. Jose? Thanks. All right. Uh, For context... The 
it did pass the government didn't shut down so we're good there all right is this an example of poor leadership fuck yeah it's an example of poor leadership okay i'm gonna get to matt gates in a minute but the one thing the democrats have right now is power the minority party actually has power right now that's that's kind of crazy they have a they have power because the republicans can only afford four votes four they can pass any bill with four votes four votes and and it's looking like they are going to they're going to um have like a a deadlock going forward because from the next couple of videos you're going to see that the Republican Party are gonna are gonna I mean slow play everything until the election and so the Democrats have so much power right now what they do with the power we're gonna see this is what this is what true leadership is the Dem you, you know, Akeem Jeffries if he's a true leader and he'll flex his muscle the Democrats will get mostly everything that they they want okay um, Matt Gates told said he was going to introduce a a motion to vacate the speakership and I think he did and if this would get the hell out of the way thank you alright we're going to we're going to go back now we're gonna show you what he did and then we're gonna explain why he did it check it out Chair will now entertain requests for one minute speeches. For what purpose does gentleman from Florida seek recognition? Five, six, ten, my remarks. Without objection, the gentleman is recognized for one minute. Mr. Speaker, pursuant to Clause 2A1 of Rule 9, I rise to give notice of my intent to raise a question of the privileges of the House. Does the gentleman first yield back his one-minute speech? I do. From what for what purpose does the does the gentleman from Florida now seek recognition? Mr. Speaker, pursuant to Clause 2A1 of Rule 9, I rise to give notice of my intent to raise a question of the privileges of the House. The gentleman will state the form of his resolution. Declaring the office of Speaker of the House of Representatives to be vacant. Resolved that the office of Speaker of the House of Representatives is hereby declared to be vacant. Under Rule 9, a resolution offered from the floor by a member other than the majority leader or the minority leader as a question of the privileges of the House has immediate precedence only at a time designated by the chair within two legislative days after the resolution is properly noticed. Pending that designation, the form of the resolution noticed by the gentleman from Florida will appear in the record at this point. The chair will not at this point determine whether the resolution constitutes a question of privilege. That determination will be made at the time designated for consideration of the resolution. The chair will now continue with one minute speech. For what purpose does the gentleman from New Jersey seek recognition?
this will be a good civics experiment but long story short is the house has two days to recognize his motion so in two days uh, I think they'll have a I guess a quorum and then they will either table or strike it down strike down the motion okay so we're going to well the reason he did that is because he says um, they wanted to there's a faction of the Republican Party that wants to go really extreme and they're going for clicks not not um legislation they they think it's they think it's um yeah they get clicks on social media and everybody just is happy with them but this is what I say people vote against their own rich interest the people from Georgia the people from Florida they also voted those crazy wings of the party in and that's your representation so if that's your representation that's what you get also Math Gates has a ethic ethics investigation about sex trafficking, so he might want to get back. He might get kicked out of um, he might get kicked out of um, Congress by doing this stunt. But let's go to CNN and let's listen. It's the Republican congressman has filed that motion to remove Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. The first time that this has happened in more than a hundred years. Let's listen to Matt Gates speaking to reporters right now. And as I said in my remarks on the floor earlier today, regardless of how you feel about Ukraine money or border money, these two things should not be lumped together. They deserve their own dignity and their own vote. And the people are tired of seeing the ways... Okay. Um, let's step back a little bit. When Nancy Pelosi was um, a speaker, they did an omnibus bill, which is... A, which. An omnibus bill is where they packed everything one time. Everything was on one bill. You had to read it. You had to vote for it. And I think you had like 24 hours. So his big thing is he wants to do everything line item. Everything is a separate bill. Everything has to be voted on. So I guess they had a deal in January or when he became speaker. Uh, McCarthy came speaker that they will do it their way. And if you listen to his... There's something he says in his speech. He says, I don't own McCarthy anymore. They say the quiet part out loud. Check it out. ...of Washington that jam everything together in order to really frustrate actual legislators. If you succeed, there's going to be... If you succeed, McCarthy's almost certainly going to put himself up as a candidate for speaker again. And that may mean there's no one who can get 218 votes. Are you prepared to go through that possibility with no one getting 218 votes? Well, I would think that if it took Kevin McCarthy 15 rounds to become speaker, and after eight months of a failed speakership, and after a successful removal vote, as as your hypothesis would portend, uh, that he would take a hint. <laughs> Do you have someone? I had look. I have made no deal with Democrats because I believe that Democrats should vote against Kevin McCarthy for free. Kevin McCarthy, who's out there offering deals to Democrats. So if there's a deal made with Democrats, the only deal is is to make one with McCarthy. Because I'm not offering anything and won't offer anything. And by the way, you, if the Democrats want to own Kevin McCarthy, they can have it. Because one thing I'm at peace with is when we stand here uh, a week from now, I won't own Kevin McCarthy anymore. He won't, but he won't belong to me. So if the Democrats want to adopt him, they can adopt well, him. You're if you're successful, who would be your alternative? Who would you be putting up there if you're successful? It's, it's a, look, our number two is Steve Scalise. I think very highly of Steve Scalise. I would vote for Steve Scalise. I would probably vote for at least 100 Republicans in our caucus and maybe 100 other Americans out there who wouldn't necessarily need to be a member of the body to be considered for the speakership. But I am not going to pass over Steve Scalise just because he has blood cancer and is going through treatment. There are what, would you so, what would you say to members who have worked so hard to try and get these appropriation bills through that's finally happening now they say they don't want to be distracted 
distracted from that. What do you say to those members who don't want to vote against McCarthy for that reason? Well, mostly I would say you're welcome because we weren't endeavoring on the appropriations process earnestly until we held a political gun to the speaker's head last week. We left for a six-week vacation and we'd only passed one of our appropriations bills, the Veterans Bill. If Kevin McCarthy was serious about appropriations, we'd have been here all of July, we would have been here in August, and we would have been doing the people's work passing their budget. The American people are tired of Washington, D.C. not having a budget, running $2 trillion annual deficits, sitting atop a $33 trillion debt. And if this country is going down, I'm going down fighting. I mean, it's happening now, right? Y'all were supposed to be back home in your districts. That hasn't happened. There are appropriation bills on the calendar. I know it might have taken a while to get here, but you're here. And so what do you say to your colleagues who say we can't support this because we want to get this done? We want to get the government funded. Well, I, I would suggest if we were real serious about that process, we wouldn't be having four-day work weeks. I mean, we, we, we started votes tonight at 6.30 p.m. on a Monday. Most Americans don't start work at 6.30 p.m. on a Monday and end a few hours later, right? So I don't believe that the level of effort that you're seeing out of the Congress this week is reflective of the momentum that we had built previously. But you're going to need Democrats. You're going to need Democrats to vote with you to oust McCarthy. And you're criticizing McCarthy for having to potentially need Democrats to keep him in the job. I mean, aren't you pretty much doing the exact same thing here? Mono, the yellow brick road of working with Democrats has been paved, constructed, engineered, and architected by Kevin McCarthy. Look no further than the debt limit deal, a deal he passed with Democrats. Look no further than the last continuing resolution, which he passed with Democrats. And by the way, if he's able to stay in power, it will be him working for the Democrats, continuing to do their bidding. So this is a revealing exercise, and I think it'll show the country who's really in Just charge. Just to follow up on that, though, most Republicans still do support McCarthy. So why bring this up if you don't have the support of most of your conference? Well, he doesn't have my support anymore, and he doesn't have the support of a requisite number of Republicans to continue as the Republican Speaker. Now, he may continue as the House Speaker, and he may continue as a Speaker of the Democrats and some sort of uniparty coalition, but he is not going to be a speaker in power as a consequence of Republican will votes you, based on the number of people who are going to be with me. Is this like a personal disagreement you have with McCarthy, or is this solely just on You know, it's so funny that I come out here, and I've been doing this for a great number of days with all of you, and I lay out in Technicolor the specific areas of breach of the agreement, breaching the 72-hour rule, breaching the suspension rule, blowing past the top lines, not passing single-subject spending bills, and yet... The McCarthy operation continues to try to make this some sort of personal beef. No one seems to be real eager in engaging me on the substance of my argument, which is that we need single-subject spending bills, we need to return to pre-COVID spending. But some people... I have come home and I have stood at the base of the steps just dreading the 40 stairs that I have to climb up. And there's 40, because I've counted them. When you're not healthy... Try to make every policy disagreement personal because they are so personally embarrassed from their own failures and so this is this is has nothing to do with a personality this has to do with breach of an agreement i laid that breach out weeks ago i stood on the floor you all covered it and i said these are the areas of breach they have to be rectified instead of getting any sincere effort to resolve that you know, we heard the speaker's profanity and his bluster, and that's simply not strong leadership. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I'll go to Rachel next. Are you concerned that some conservatives who agree that McCarthy is in breach of these promises he made in January are not backing your effort? People like Chip Roy, Byron Donalds, uh, Thomas Massey, obviously somebody who tried to oust Boehner says that this could backfire conservatives. Are you worried about that pressure and that fracture in conservatives actually no, undercutting? No, listen, I, Chip Roy and... Thomas Massey, we all want to get to the same place. We all want to have less spending. We want to return to the budget process that is in law. And uh, I, I hold no ill will toward them if they make a different tactical choice than I've made. So if my dear friends who I agree with on almost everything, Mr. Roy and Mr. Perry and Mr. Massey, uh, want to own Kevin McCarthy, then uh, that can be their choice. And, and they can make whatever choice they'd like. Does Trump support this effort? Does Trump right, Matt Gates uh, answering questions, as you can see from reporters. Armanu Raju, you can see right in the corner there, is there. So he's going to be joining us in just a couple of moments and, 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 and fill us in on what it, what
what else uh, is happening there. Because right now, I do want to just bring in a Democratic voice, because you hear Matt Gates again and again saying this comes down to Democrats. The Democratic Congressman Ro Khanna of California is with me now. Congressman Khanna, I know you've had a chance to hear some of that um, uh, happening elsewhere on Capitol Hill, where you are right now. Matt Gates taking questions from reporters. So what do you say? I mean, just to be clear, um, there has not been an attempt to move to vacate a speaker since 1910. Uh, so this is, this is almost unprecedented in its attempt, and it has never been successful. So what do you think is going on here with Congressman Gates doing this now? Aaron, I didn't think I'd have to hear more Congressman Gates on your show. I've heard a, a lot of it from him uh, all week. Uh, but you know what's sad? I, I was in the grocery store on Saturday when we finally got the budget passed a continuing resolution to avoid a shutdown. It was the first time that people were actually coming up to me saying, thank you for what you did, not me personally, but the Congress to keep the government open. I mean, there was a sigh of relief. And now I come back Monday and there's chaos again. This is exactly what the American people don't want. They want us to focus on solving the problems, not the kind of theater that uh, the Republicans are creating. All right, he, he talks about how that it, it Gates is saying, that McCarthy will not remain speaker if Democrats don't help him. So that's what he's saying. Obviously, some of your colleagues have indicated uh, that, that they might that they might uh, vote to help him. Gates says he's made no deal with Democrats and that, that you should uh, vote against Speaker McCarthy for free. Uh, what, where do you stand on this? Would you help support McCarthy to have him remain speaker to prevent more chaos? Aaron, we're meeting as a caucus tomorrow morning to discuss exactly the question you're asking. I am committed to following Leader Jeffries. There are times in politics where you have to act in unity. This is one of those times. Hakeem Jeffries has done a phenomenal job as a leader, and I will follow what the caucus decides and will defer to his leadership on this issue. So, okay, I understand what you're saying. So, in other words, you, you may say, I don't know a full answer to this next question, but let me ask it anyway to understand what your feelings are about it. What would McCarthy have to offer to secure Democratic votes to remain the Speaker, right? Because if, if your caucus is going to do something to support him, you don't ever get better leverage than you're going to have in that moment. So what do you want for it? Well, again, I, I, I'm not trying to duck the question. I genuinely am going to defer to Hakeem Jeffries and Catherine Clark because they're in a position of negotiating the schedule and negotiating the votes and with leadership. Uh, if you ask me what is my vision on Medicare for all or jobs, I'd give you an answer. But here I really believe the appropriate posture for every Democrat, whether a progressive like me, whether a blue dog, whether a moderate, is to unify around our leadership. That's what Speaker Pelosi said. Follow Hakeem Jeffries. If Speaker Pelosi is saying that, I think every Democrat can be for that. Well, of course, as you say, um, I, I guess you said you want to show that you don't have the same chaos, which is on display, right, in the GOP right now. In the All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Matt Gates letting you know that he put in a motion to motion to um oust the speaker will it, will it work I have no idea because again the Democrats have a lot of power whole lot of power and who knows who knows who knows uh, let's listen to to Bo one more time because he is talking about the Democrats and McCarthy but hold on one second all right, we're going to go to this, and then we're going to be out. Let's go again to Bo from the 5th. Well, howdy there, Internet people. It's Bo again. So today, we are going to talk about McCarthy and everything going on in the House of Representatives and voting your conscience what it really means up on Capitol Hill. Because it means one thing to us, it's an entirely different language up there. And that term may become important. And it's a good time to highlight it. 
because if you miss the news, the the resolution that the far-right Republicans were promising, talking about ousting McCarthy, well, it was put forward. So, two legislative days, there has to be movement on it. Now, there's a bunch of different ways that could happen, and we have talked about them all before. And we have talked about how both sides of this, both the far-right Republicans and McCarthy, whatever it is their goal is, they need the Democrats to make it happen. I know that the talking point is just the other side needs them, but in real life, they both need them. And we've talked about the various ways that Jeffries might handle that and kind of steer the party. We talked about how there will be some Democrats who, no matter what, they will not work to save McCarthy. Even if, in private, they think it's a good idea, they won't do it. Because they'll be voting their conscience. Doesn't make any sense, right? Because if they were voting their conscience and they thought it was a good idea, they would vote to save McCarthy. But, they won't, because that's not what that term means up there. Voting your conscience up on Capitol Hill does not mean vote the way you think it should go. It means vote whatever is most politically expedient for you. Whatever would poll best in your district. Here's the thing. Every vote in the U.S. House of Representatives should be one where the representatives are voting their conscience. Meaning, voting the way the people in their district want them to vote. That's how the system's set up. That's how it's supposed to function. But it's such a rarity that there's a special term for it. Why? And why does it matter? When Washington gave his farewell address, one of the things he warned about he told the entire country, and he saw it coming, was uh, basically that parties were a bad thing. I mean, it's a little bit more nuanced than that, but that's, that's the short version. And he was right. Because what happens, especially when you get to national politics, is the parties need a platform, and then they steer the conversation. They tell their voters what's important. And then the voters go along with it. That's not how the system's set up. That's not how it's supposed to function. The reality is the voters of each district are supposed to tell their representative what's important. And their representative is supposed to carry that to D.C. That's how it is supposed to function. But that's not what happens. Because they need that platform. So the individual interests of all of the districts, they get swallowed up, they get gobbled up, they get cannibalized. So they can be turned into a national platform that the party can agree on. And this is, this is truly something that is both sides. Since we just talked about a situation with the Democratic Party, let's go to the other side. Um, for the Republicans that watch this channel, most of y'all are rural. You really are. That's what, that is definitely what has come across over the years. Have you ever actually had an issue of any kind with a trans person? Have any of your friends? No, right? So why is your representative campaigning on that? Because the party told him to. If they're talking about that, if they're using that rhetoric, they're not representing your interests. They're not your representative. They're your ruler. They're even telling you what to be mad about. What's really important to you. Something that I would be willing to bet most Republicans watching this channel have never had an issue with. But that's the talking point. And how does that happen? They find something 
that they can use on the Republican side of the aisle, it's fear. They find something that they can use that most conservatives are afraid of. Generally, it's change of some kind. And they talk about it over and over again. And mainly, those people who use the most extreme rhetoric, they shape that conversation. So, they shape what your representative cares about. Because that's what they need. Right? It's how you lose your voice. It's how you lose your voice. It's how the system fails to function. Because they're not representing you, they're ruling you. They are telling you what's important. And voting the way the district wants, that's a special occasion. It's when the leadership of the party says, okay, on this one, you can actually represent your district. When that should be every single vote. Loyalty to party is not a good thing. You want to see another example of why it's so bad? This situation. This exact situation. When you were talking about the Speaker of the House, McCarthy, right? But is he really Speaker of the House? And I'm not talking about the ineffective leadership stuff. Or is he the Republican Speaker? The Speaker of the House, their job should be to uh, basically schedule and make sure that the interests of all of the districts can be represented by their representative. But that's not what happens, right? It's not like McCarthy is giving Democrats from district whatever equal time. Because loyalty to the party is more important. It's how it happens. It's one of those things that it's been around for the entirety of anybody watching this. This system has existed your entire life. That's not actually how it's supposed to function. A lot of the let's just say, less than productive efforts of Congress are because of this. It's because of the parties pushing the agenda rather than the people who elect the representative who should be representing their interest. Now, sure, naturally, there would be alliances that formed between districts that had shared interests. They would vote the same way. But it wouldn't always be party. Party's a useful identifier. It's one of those things that makes it so the average person doesn't have to pay as close attention to politics. It's shorthand. It even gets used that way. Democratic Party liberal, Republican Party conservative. But we know that that's not always how it works out. The party system itself is part of the issue, and it's something that was warned about. There's not uh, any method that is speedy to address this issue. Requires a lot of education over years and years. But this is one of the issues, and it's one of the issues that the first president was actually like, hey, this is going to be a problem. Nobody really listened. And uh, it's showing itself right now. Because the party loyalty has gotten to such an extreme. The idea that the Speaker of the House 
somebody who is supposed to represent the whole house and schedule for the whole house, the idea that they would need votes from the other side of the aisle, well, that is just unthinkable. Because they don't represent the whole house, right? It's that uh, polarization. It's that extreme nature. It should not be controversial for a, a speaker, a potential speaker from either party to get votes from the other side. Theoretically, the idea would be to pick somebody who would represent both. That's how you would get progress. That's how you would get your issues, your interest in your district acknowledged. The fact that it doesn't work that way is why you don't. Anyway, it's just a thought. Y'all have a good all right that is bull from the fifth i always like to hear his perspective it's kind of close to minds um this is the common sense party Co- common sense party podcast i'm your host d-o-t-t-l-e-y it is now 3 27 a.m on a tuesday morning it is a soccer day this is the season finale but i digress today we talked about Passing of the bill, poor leadership, party over party over interest, and I still think that that's a fine Republican. The Republican Party is still under the grip of Trump, and it scares me that. Poll after poll after poll says it's a dead heat. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, Hopefully we can get four more years of a Democrat. I still say Biden is doing a good job. But if they want to put another Democrat, that's fine by me. I just don't want Trump back in because Trump put about. 7 trillion dollars on the debt and the republicans like forget about it alright this is the common sense party podcast I'm your host D-O-T-T-L-E-Y our mission is to attack topics with the common sense that everybody needs we are available on Spotify Amazon Music Google Podcasts Pandora iHeart um, YouTube and no we're still not on Apple, but we're still working on it. Uh, give us five stars, give us four stars, give us three stars, give us two stars, even give us one stars. If you give us no stars, we just assume that we're doing it properly. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend that this is a Common Sense Party podcast. And we are.